Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's time for Next Gen Friday. We are so excited about the future of our fellowship that we highlight the 40 and under pastors of CFM. We hope you are inspired by the deep bench of pastors and leaders coming up around the world. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Man, what a great privilege it is to be here this morning and to preach. I want to thank my pastor, Pastor Plummer, for the privilege to preach. Amen. Let's open our Bibles this morning to Esther chapter 4, verse 13 to 14. I want to preach a sermon that I've entitled, Positioned for Purpose. And on August the 21st in 2015, two American service members, Spencer Stone, Alex Scarlatos, and their friend Anthony Sadler, boarded a train, the 1517, to Paris. They were having some time off from their military duties, and so they wanted to go and do some sightseeing. But unknown to them, on that day, boarding that train was a 25-year-old Moroccan terrorist. He was armed with an AK-47 assault rifle, a 9mm pistol, a knife, and 270 rounds uh, of ammunition. He was planning a terrorist attack which he would massacre and then all the passengers on board that train to grab the attention uh, of the world. When the the Americans, these three Americans, heard gunshots uh, and, and they heard the shattering of glass, they sprung into action. Scarlatos, who was napping at the time, uh, instinctively he gets up, he looks at his, th- at his two friends, uh, and he says, go. 
And they began, amen, to run towards this uh, terrorist who was in the carriage. They attack him, amen, and they disarm him, rendering him unconscious with the butt of his own rifle. Stone was stabbed and with a box cutter. He, his injuries were not life-threatening. They were using the emergency uh, first aid skills and they began to attend to those that had been wounded. These three men were hailed as heroes for stopping what could have been one of the worst massacres in history, saving the lives of 500 people on board that train that day. What many people don't know is that these three men were Christians. They, they met in a Christian school in California. They grew up attending church. They felt that God had placed them on that train for such a time as this. Sadler, pastor's son, who told the Guardian, we know the series of events weren't a coincidence. It's like our lives were leading up to that moment. You don't know what plan God has for you. What we've come to realize with hindsight that that was all part of a plan, a bigger picture, that we were supposed to be there on that day. In hindsight, it was like we were preparing our whole lifetime for this moment, and there's no denying that. And this perfectly relates to the story that we're about to read in the book of Esther. And the events that unfold in the book of Esther is not a coincidence. It is though Esther's whole life had been in preparation for the events that were going to take place. And I want us to read our scripture this morning in Esther chapter 4 and verse 13 to 14. And Mordecai told them to answer Esther, Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And to understand this scripture, amen, we need to know the backstory of Esther. There was a king, amen, he had a festival and he gets drunk. And so what happens is he, he wants to invite his wife to come and parade herself in front of everyone. And she says no, amen, she tells him to get stuffed. And so here he is, he's thinking this, this can't be happening, you know, you do as I say, amen. And so he's there with his friends, he begins to ask their advice, he says, what shall I do? And they say, you know what, if she does this to you, then our wives will follow suit. And so they say, you know, we can't have have this happening. We've got to make an example of her. And so they get rid of her. They trade her in. Amen. And the king now has a problem. He has no wife. So he has to look for a new wife. They get all the single ladies in the whole city. Amen. This is where they got the idea of the bachelor. And so here he is. They catch her. They get all the single ladies to come in. And then Esther as well. She comes. She's a Jew. The king doesn't know about this. But the next minute she gets chosen as the queen. They live happily ever after the end. No, that's not what happened. What happens is there is a man named Haman. He is an evil premier of the state. Amen. And so he plans, amen, to kill all the Jews of the nation. And this is his plot. And, the, you know, here he is. He has a grudge against Mordecai, who is Esther's cousin, because he didn't bow to him. And so the king agrees to this. He thinks, yes, all right, we're going to kill all the Jews. Amen. And he begins to make a certain date that all the Persians were allowed to kill the Jews. Now note, in the Persian culture, if the king made a decree or a law, it couldn't be changed. So this was the law. Letters were sent out to kill all the Jews, that on this day, all the Jews were going to die. 
Mordecai, he hears of this in Esther chapter 4 and 1. When Mordecai learned of all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, and went unto the city, uh, wailing loudly uh, and bitterly. When Queen Esther heard of this, I don't think she understands the seriousness of what's happening here. I don't think she understands what's going on. She's a bit confused. Here's Mordecai. I think she's almost embarrassed. She sends him some clothes. They put on some merch. Amen. Here she is. Mordecai refuses to wear this. He sends word to her. Esther, we are in crisis. Haman wants to kill all the Jews. At first, here's Esther. She's a bit hesitant to do something. She's saying, what do you want me to do? She's saying, I want you to save the people. She's thinking to herself, I I can't do that. I can't go to the king. I can't appeal before the king because if I do, then I'm going to die. And one thing that can stop us from stepping out for God is we view ourselves with limitations. We can have limited views on what we can do for God. I want to look firstly this morning at limitations. See, Esther, she had things going for her. Remember, she was the most good-looking chick in the whole town. Here she is. She got chosen to be queen. It says in Esther 2, 16 and 17, the king loved Esther more than all the other women and she obtained grace and favor in his sight. Church, it wasn't like she was but ugly. And then all of a sudden she found makeup and a miracle happened and she became beautiful. She was the ugly duckling. All of a sudden she's amazing and then she became the queen. She had things going for her. She was she was good looking chick. There are people in this place, maybe God's using your life and you have something to offer God. Maybe you have something to offer in the kingdom. Maybe you have a good voice. You can sing. Maybe you're musically talented. Maybe you're funny. Amen. You're a good public speaker. 1 Corinthians 12, 18, but now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. But the truth this morning is that Esther had limits. And this involves something spiritual. Mordecai is asking her uh, to speak to a spiritual problem. And here's Esther. She's saying, you know what? I can't do that. Mordecai wanted Esther to go to the king uh, and let him know she's a Jew and that Haman's plot, amen, uh, was to kill all the Jews. And she's thinking to herself, but if I go uh, and I don't have permission, then I'm going to die. The story goes on, Esther 4, 11, all the king's servants uh, and the people of the king's province know that a man or woman who goes into the inner courts of the king who has not been caught, he has but one law, put all to death except the one whom the king holds out, the golden scepter, that he may live, uh, yet I myself had not been called to go to the king these 30 days. This is what Mordecai answers to her in our text. And Mordecai told to Esther, do you think in your heart that you will escape the king's palace any more than all the other Jews? For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. What he's saying here, he's saying, listen here, good looking. If you don't rise to the occasion, then someone else will do it. And you and your family will perish. He's telling her this is a matter of life and death. And who knows that you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Mordecai knew that it wasn't an accident or a coincidence that Esther had been put in the palace when the Jews were under attack. 
He warns her that she didn't do something in this crisis, that her family was going to perish. She had come to, the, to this place now for such a time as this. And many times we can think negatively, amen, of ourselves when it comes to the kingdom of God and doing something for God because we know ourselves. When it's time to step out and do something for God, we can view our life through past mistakes and failures, maybe shortcomings. How many know we can compare to other people? If only I could be like so-and-so, then I wouldn't have any trouble going out preaching the gospel. We focus on what already happened in life instead of what could happen. Amen? Listen to other people. We sometimes listen to what other people have to say instead of God. What the brothers have to say. What the usos and the tokos have to say about me. Instead of what God has to say. David was rejected by his father to be the next king. And then again by Saul, says, you know, you're just a youth. And many times when we think like this and become limited, amen, and think negatively of, of these things, uh, we hold back and we begin to make excuses of why we can't step up for God. Moses says, you know, I can't speak. We begin to settle for less uh, than God's plan for our lives. I want to look secondly this morning at life's depth. How many know we don't like being in the deep end? I can't swim, I don't even like the shallow, amen. Uh, but I share a personal testimony. I felt for years, amen, uh, that God had called me to preach the gospel. God had called me to go out, amen, uh, and preach the gospel. And I'm thinking to myself, I can't do this. I can't even speak English properly. How am I going to explain the Greek and the Hebrew? You know, I'm thinking to myself, I can't do this stuff. Really, God? And there was times in revivals, pastors would give me words, God's calling you to preach the gospel. And I'm thinking, no, 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 no. And I was beginning to dodge, uh, dodge these bullets. When it came time for words, I would stand behind people, amen, so I wouldn't get a word. I knew it was coming. And here I am, you know, I'm like, no, 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 I don't want it. I begin to run away, uh, amen, not wanting to do, and I knew God had called me. How many know you can't hide from God? One, one conference, amen, a few years ago, uh, on the Tuesday night of conference, my wife, she asked me, what if pastor asks you to be outreach director this year? And she's hoping I'll say, yes, let's go, you know. And I'll say, I said to her, you know what, if he asks me, I'll be like, nah, you know, I can't do it. I'll, I'll tell him who's going to be our director, you know. I'm thinking to myself, you know, I can't do it. There's so many things happening at the moment. I, I can't do that. You know, I'm not ready. I'm not ready for that. And so the next morning, Wednesday morning of conference, sermons happen. We're in our donut breaker. And I'm standing around with some of the disciples and we're talking and we're, you know, we're just talking about what's happening. And Pastor Dan Villani, he walks past, he joins our conversation and he begins to talk to us. And I remember very, very clearly, he looks me in the face and he goes, Keenan, what is your excuse going to be this year? And I've got my donut and my coffee. And I look up at Pastor Dan Villani. And I'm thinking to myself, who the heck is this guy? Who is, what, what? I tell you, man, that convicted me. I came back to my seat. I'm convicted, man. I didn't even finish that donut. I was so convicted. I sat down. As I sat down, I get a tap on the shoulder, the famous tap. Hallelujah. Pastor wants to see in the office. I walk into that office that day. This is just after the donut break. I go in there, Pastor Elliot's sitting there, and he goes, Keenan, 
I feel like, you know, uh, God wants to use your life this year. Uh, and, you know, I believe in you. Amen. I want, to see, I want you to pray about it, but come on staff and be the outreach director that year. Before he even finished, I was like, yeah, where do I sign? How much you want? What do, you, what do we do? I was like, let's go. Let's do it, Pastor. You know, oh, man, something changed. Then we went to lunch. As on our way to lunch, my wife goes to me, oh, what did Pastor say in the office? I said, oh, he asked me if I want to be outreach director. He said, what did you say? I said, let's go, let's do it. <laughs> She's looking at me going, man, what's happened to this guy? Amen. It was those donuts. <laughs> Hallelujah. But what changed, amen, was some encouraging words and my pastor believed in me. And Esther was challenged two times. You were born for such a time as this. She said no two times. Think about Esther. She's in a blessed place in her life. She's the queen. Here she is, you know, what if I lose the blessing that God has given me? I just got out of the ghetto and now I'm in the palace. Come on, I'm blessed. How about the crown? And now you want me to go and save these people? Pastor, I just got this ministry. And now you want me to step up, step out and do something for God? Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 11. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful nevertheless. Afterwards it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Church, this is the conference call. There are people in this place that are called for such a time as this. A call beyond the comforts of the palace. Her position as queen wasn't for her to live it up. She was placed in that position for a purpose. And many times you can feel out of place. Maybe in your school, maybe in your family, maybe in your workplace, maybe even in church. But do you view where you are right now as an opportunity for God to use your life? Because God is going to take you deep. I remember one word, amen, I was sitting right here, Pastor Chris Hart gives me this word, he says, you know what, brother, I believe God's going to bring you into a stressing time, amen, in your life, uh, and I believe, amen, that it's not going to be a pleasant time, you're just going to be stressed out, amen, but God wants to bring growth in your life. I'm thinking, that's not encouraging. <laughs> stressing me out, man, I'm really under stress here, you know, but God wants you to grow. Sometimes we can feel out of our depth, like we're stuck. Nowhere to go. But when we're stretched, it puts us in a situation where we can grow. And many times it involves a miracle. The first time I went to pray for the sick at an outreach in the park, I says, anyone here, I felt stirred, we're going to pray for the sick my first time. Is anyone here, you need a healing. And 20 people respond. And I'm thinking, God, I know the back one, but I don't know the rest of them. <laughs> You're going to have to do a miracle right now. I don't know what these guys have got, but man, I'm going to need a miracle of God. Every one of them got healed. I tell you, that brought strength, amen. That, that, that brought, amen, uh, a time where it stretched me, uh, but it brought me confidence into my ministry that when I pray for people, uh, they're going to get healed. And I pray for the sick as, as much as I can now because I know God's the one that's going to do the miracle. See, Esther in our text, she had to fast. She needed a miracle. Esther chapter 4, 15 and 16, then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me, neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day, my maids and I will fast likewise, and so I will go to the king, which is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Esther is faced with one of the greatest challenges of her life, and she says, you know what, I'm willing to do what God tells me to do, but if I perish, I perish. 
And us Pacific Islanders, we're, we're very proud of who we are. We have this saying, mate matonga. You know, I'll die for Tonga. What about for Jesus? These guys, they tattoo it all over themselves. You know, they put on their cars, make t-shirts, die for Tonga. What about for Jesus? Amen. Whew, that hit a spot. Hallelujah. Chew. Amen. There comes a time, amen, when we need, to, we need to give everything to God and be obedient, even when we don't know what the outcome is, but we're willing to trust God. If I perish, I perish. When I was called to preach, I tell you, it scared me going out and pioneering. That's why for many years I struggled. I was scared. I can't do that. What if I go out and nobody comes to church? I mean, it scared me so much. I grew a beard and joined ISIS. No, I didn't. But <laughs> hallelujah, amen. People remember that time. That's another sermon. Praise the Lord. But I remember this quote that helped me. And it said, the failure is not going out and pioneering and having to come back in because it didn't work out. It's getting to the end of your life and knowing I didn't even go and I didn't even try. Those words were by my pastor, Pastor Elliot. Church, God is so great. He doesn't need you to be great. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are your thoughts. I want to close this morning uh, and talk on legacy. See, Esther was vindicated. The final thing that happens to Esther is when she's obedient. Uh, when she approaches the king, how many know she doesn't die? The Bible tells us that she finds favor in his sight. In Esther chapter 5 and 2, uh, so it was when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court that she, that she found favor in, the, in her sight, and the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. That night, the story goes on, the king can't sleep, uh, so he begins to ask uh, for books to be read, uh, and so they read the story to the king of when Mordecai helped save him, uh, when two people were going to attack the king, uh, he realizes, you know, I didn't do anything for Mordecai, uh, and so he wants to bless him, and that same time, uh, Haman is plotting to kill Mordecai, he's starting to build uh, these gallows which he would hang Mordecai on, and so the next day, uh, the king, uh, he says to Haman, how should, how should I honor someone uh, um, who the king loves, uh, and Haman thinks to himself, hmm, who would the king like to honor more than me? And so he begins to think about it. All right, I'm get, getting every detail right. So Esther 6, uh, 6 and 10. So Haman came in, and the king asked him, what shall be done for the man whom the king delights to honor? Now Haman thought in his heart, whom would the king delight to honor more than me? And Haman answered the king, For the man who the king delights to honor, let a royal robe be border, uh, which the king has worn, and a horse which the king has ridden, uh, which a, with a royal crest placed on its head. Then let his robe and horse be delivered to the hand of the one whom the king's most noble princes, uh, that they may array the man whom the king delights to honor. Then parade him on horseback uh, through the city square and proclaim before them, uh, Thus shall it be done to the man who the king delights to honor. This is what Haman wanted. Then the king says to Haman, what you've said, go and do that to Mordecai. Said, Thus shall it be done. <laughs> He's like, oh no. And here is, here is Haman. He has to parade Mordecai around the city. Amen. At the end, he goes home and he cries to his wife. Uh, then the next day, Esther tells the king uh, that she's a Jew and that there's a man uh, who wants to kill her uh, and her family. And so he asks, who is this man? And she says, it's Haman. Uh, and Haman was ordered to hang on the very gallows uh, that he made uh, for Mordecai. And the king makes a decree that the Jews uh, can defend themselves. Mordecai ended up getting Haman's old job. Uh, they made a public holiday 
holiday to remember the victory of the Jews, even though it wasn't even their land. And this is what God can do. He can turn the situation around. Amen, church. And many times we don't see the bigger picture when we begin to obey God. When we begin to trust in God. Esther didn't know that this was going to happen. But I'm telling you, now she's glad that she obeyed. Now she's looking, she's like, I am so glad. Brother Andrew in his book, The God Smuggler, the excitement in obedience is finding out later what God had in mind. And what about us? Esther went from a God-fearing girl to a powerful influencer over a nation. She saved the whole nation. Her whole world changed. God had purposed her for such a time as this. And how much I believe, amen, God is going to take ordinary people, amen, and help us to influence our own cities. In lockdown this year, amen, we were positioned, amen. We've got a building right in the heart of Werribee, right there. In these last 10 months, amen, I, I tell you, I praise God for what he's doing. And I want to tell you, God had called me to Werribee for such a time as this. In three years, here I am, I'm struggling with the call to preach the gospel. But in three years, amen, you look at people in our church, amen, that are saved and serving God, amen, that are in their right minds. And I thank God that he called me to where be, because where would they be today if I hadn't have gone? Who knows, maybe someone else would have gone to where be if I hadn't have risen to the, to the time. Three years now, and it's a miracle what God is doing. And I look back and I say, you know what? I wouldn't trade it for the world. I thank God that I obeyed. It's not a work of man, but a work of God. This is what Pastor Mitchell said. I want to close with this illustration, amen. Nicole Davidson woke up in the middle of the night in December 2020. Her house was engulfed in flames. And her and her husband... They are former firefighters, and so her husband ran to go and get the fire extinguisher. She ran to go up and get the kids. Nicole, the mother, here she is. She runs and grabs her seven-year-old son, but she was unable to get her 22-month-old daughter who was trapped in her room. They made their way outside of this burning house, and as they're outside, the dad, he breaks the window to the 22-month-old daughter's room, trying to get in, uh, but the flames, and then it was, it was, it was, it was full-on burning. Uh, and so uh, the seven-year-old son grabs his dad. He says, Dad, put me through that window. And this is what it says. Seven-year-old Eli told the news, uh, told the news article, uh, Dad busted the window, then I, and then he said, I can't do it two times. And then I said, Dad, I got it. Mr. Davidson helped his little son, Eli, through that window. He went in, grabbed his 22-month-old sister, takes her out, amen, they all get out. The whole house was destroyed by this fire. And this is what Eli said. He said, when we went down there, I was scared, but I didn't want my little sister to die. Church, I say this to say this. There are people that only you can reach. There are people that only you can reach. God had positioned Esther for such a time as this. Mordecai couldn't become queen. There are people out there only you can reach. And there are going to be people, amen, that God is calling you right now for such a time as this. Seven-year-old Eli, here he is, seven years older. 
And he accomplished more than many people would ever in their whole life uh, because he made himself available. He says, Dad, I'll go. I'll go. Put me through there. He sees the need. I need to save my sister. And the truth is, if we would simply make our lives available, amen, God will use our life uh, to advance his kingdom. And the question I asked you this morning uh, is, are you positioning yourself for the revival that God is going to pour out on this land? Because now is the time to be positioned. Now's the time for such a time as this church. Now is the time to be positioned, amen, to be ready. Because I believe God's going to pour out His Spirit. But we need to be positioned right now for what God is going to do. There are only people that you can reach this morning. Let's give God praise as Pastor Luke comes and preaches this morning. Thank you for listening to this episode of the VBPH Sermon Podcast. When you listen to these inspiring messages, you are helping to send missionaries from the Chandler Bible Conference in September. If you loved what you heard, please send this message to someone that needs to hear it. Then leave us a review using the links in the show notes so that everyone who wants to find this podcast will see it when they search for it. We cannot thank you enough. See you next time.